Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration of America. Today we are blessed to have as our guest Harmeet Dillon, one of the most recognizable and effective conservative lawyers in America. Harmeet, as you probably know, has stepped forward and is running for RNC chair. We at Restoration of America support her position for change at the RNC. It's great to have her on our show to update us on that important contest. Hi, Armeet. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right. So around here, we're big supporters of yours and, and uh, all that you're uh, trying to do to change the direction of the RNC. And we want to hear all about that uh, potential change. But before we get into that, just give us a quick update on the latest in the race. Well, we have a little bit under three weeks left to go. Uh, we are picking up steam all over the country. Additional members of the RNC have endorsed us. We came out this morning with the Wyoming delegation uh, endorsing us, all three of them. Several of the freshman members of the uh, of the House uh, 118th Congress endorsed us. So that's exciting to see, particularly those Freedom Caucus members who, for some conservative change there in the rules package, support us. And then we're seeing this amazing, I think, unprecedented groundswell of grassroots support all over the country. So just without prompting uh, Republican county officials and county chairs and county committees and even some state committees all over the country are passing resolutions either supporting me or seeking change at the RNC. And this happened over the weekend in both Alabama at the executive committee level of the state party and in Louisiana, where they uh, passed a resolution seeking change. I think two or three counties in Washington state have passed a resolution. And I'm also holding town hall meetings with state and county Republican activists all over the country. We did this last week in Utah. Today, I'm also doing Delaware, and we're doing several others this week as well. So it's really exciting to see for the first time in my memory, grassroots Republican activists, not just voters, but actually the activists who help elect members of the RNC are taking an active interest in this race. And that's exciting because that means in the future, we're going to be able to get officials at the RNC who are more in touch with the grassroots of the party. Yeah, absolutely. Those grassroots people got to put pressure on those committee men and women because how uncomfortable is that if they don't support you and then we have another two years of the same old stuff? I mean, what are they going to say? You know, and I, I just think when you said you were going to do this, I was so excited because, you know, so much of this is just somebody's got to commit to leading and doing this. And, and as you say, you know, people look up and go, yeah, we got to do something different. And we think Harmeet is great. So good for you for doing. I'm really happy about it. So so we talk about your plans. One of the main things is decentralizing right out of D.C. And uh, so let's let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you have an inside look having been on the RNC uh, a committee woman for years here. You've you know what this looks like. So talk about what this is going to be. If you're in charge, what do you see as far as this decentralizing power out of D.C. piece? Well, so the RNC has a building in D.C., and that's where the headquarters are. But in fact, the chair, uh, current chair, has not sat there for six years. She, she commutes from Michigan when she comes to the RNC. And I think that by limiting ourselves to D.C. for our main staff, we're really eliminating a lot of great talent around the country. A lot of Americans, particularly conservatives, don't want to live in D.C., Secondly, we have to compete for votes, not in D.C., where we're never going to win votes there anytime soon. But actually, in a handful of counties are the swing counties in the country where we win or lose elections for Republican presidential candidates. And so my idea is to have headquarters, regional headquarters 
in at least those states and maybe even those counties in Georgia and uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, not too many, maybe four or so. Fundraising should not be based in D.C. because there aren't any donors in D.C. other than lobbyists. The donors are actually based in tax advantage places like Florida and, and other places like that. So I think by you, you'd kill two birds with one stone. First of all, you change the culture of the RNC by removing it from the control of that cocktail party class and that lobbyist class and that consultant class that has controlled and I would say strangled so many aspects of the party. And secondly, you'd get a lot of great new blood and also do that in places where we need to win elections. So I, I hope we're able to accomplish that. Yeah, that's right. And, and the heart of it's win elections. And we're going to get to that. I just want to make one more comment about that, about being in D.C., as you know, in the times I've spent there, I would tell anybody out there, especially a conservative, that you think you think it's bad in D.C. It's 10 times worse than you think it is. You know, once you go and spend some time there and the way the group think and all that craziness and, the, and it just. Yeah, it's obvious that the RNC is is a part and parcel of this now, especially with the consulting class. So. Again, super excited for you to do that. So, like you mentioned, though, the heart of this is winning more elections. You know, that's what that's what this that's what we're after, right? So, that's, so just get into that for. some more, right? Yeah. So, so what do you see there in terms of changes you're going to make that uh, would would get us to that place? Well, Doug, I think the first thing that we need to do is be fiscally prudent. You know, at the same time that we are uh, lecturing to Democrats that they're wasting our money, we must be fiscally prudent with donor money at the RNC. So I would initiate a top to bottom review of our vendor and consulting contracts. I would call that an audit. Uh, I would also make sure like Elon Musk did when he took over Twitter that we are having staff on board that are really enthusiastic about winning. And if we don't have that, then you know they should gracefully exit to a different job they're more passionate about. And so we have to have a fighting machinery ready to go and be lean and mean. So, but more importantly, beyond that, there are a lot of things that are not in our control that we need to get engaged in. One is election integrity, which is something that you and I have both worked on together. We must have a plan, not just for sort of intervening, which is important, but insufficient when Democrats do something like Mark Elias filed suit to stop an excellent new law in Ohio that improves uh, integrity of the elections there we must be filing our own lawsuits because all over the country for almost 20 years and even more, I would say Democrats have successfully weakened our election integrity uh, by challenging voter ID, by forcing extended voting that goes on for a long period of time, by blocking efforts to purge the voter rolls. So we must aggressively fight back against that. That takes money, but actually dollar for dollar, it's a lot cheaper to file and win lawsuits than it is to blow money on big ad campaigns and other things that are very wasteful. And so I think that's something that we need to do. Another important thing is that Democrats have become very adept at using modern technology to reach voters. Peer-to-peer uh, -peer texting platforms are, are, are used in every single campaign here in San Francisco. I get text messages about you know the dog catcher race. So they're, they're really adept at doing it, I assume, cheaply because they do so much of it. We, we do it very sparingly, and the states have little support in how to do that. So I would make that a top priority. Democrats are investing heavily in this next election cycle, as they publicly stated, in data and in social media. And I would say uh, both of these are areas where the RNC needs improvement. First of all, there's zero social media uh, organized engagement. I mean, paid social media like the Democrats have. You see some of the top social media stars on the left in the White House making 
jokey TikTok videos. I'm not saying we should degenerate to that level, but certainly we have a lot of great young uh, social media influencers in the conservative movement. And dollar for dollar, it's a lot less expensive to do campaigns using those folks because they reach also the target audiences we want to reach than some of the ways that we spend our dollars. Data is another important thing. I think the RNC has certainly paid a lot of attention to that issue over the years. We have a we have an organization called Data Trust that houses our data. But, uh, you know, complaints I've heard from states include that, uh, you know, that we could be using better sources of purchase data that would be more up to date so that when our activists paid or volunteer are doing door knocking, their their hours are being used efficiently. And so that is a constant deal. You have to constantly be updating your data, particularly during COVID. A lot of Americans moved as our data up to date. And then finally, I would say we must have a return to core principles. We saw some of this in the House leadership debate. Uh, the fact that there was a struggle over a balanced budget uh, requirement or cut as you go or reading the bill before you pass it, this is emblematic of problems in mm -hmm. politics. We come to accept a norm or a status quo that is far removed from our core conservative principles. And so I would say we have a great party platform that was passed in 2016. Uh, that was adopted again in 2020. And we should not shy away from that. Uh, I've heard complaints that perhaps we lost the 2022 midterms because of Dobbs. I disagree with that. I think that these are core conservative principles and that we need to do a better job of messaging these things and spinning them. So these are some of the things that I think I would change at the party. Yeah, absolutely. And that platform piece is so crucial. And I thought the same thing when there's this argument over these things that, you know, just a decade ago, it was like, well, yeah, that's of course what we do as Republicans and conservatives. These are the things we do. And now they're just like, oh, I don't know about doing that. You know, I'm like, what do you, what happened to you guys? You know, and just, it's nice to have people standing up, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the fact that uh, when I was young, my first campaign that I worked on was uh, Dartmouth Students for Jack Kemp back in 1988. And then I, I worked at the Heritage Foundation. And so back in those days, in the, in the early years of the conservative movement in the modern era, these were absolute norms that we were fiscally conservative, that we uh, took care of our own country, that we had some core fundamental principles. And now there seems to be this emphasis of power over principle, which is exactly what we criticize the Democrats for. How are we going to convince voters to vote for us, not just Republican voters who are staying home sometimes because they don't like our policies or our candidates, but independent voters we need to win presidential elections. We cannot do that if we're not able to draw sharp distinctions between our behavior on a day-to-day -day basis and our policies versus the Democrats. And it has been easier, Doug, to do that than any point in time. Democrats have an open border policy. They're driving our country off a cliff economically. They're trying to destroy the nuclear family. It's actually very easy to message against these issues if we are focused and disciplined and good at it. That's right. And that's what's been a, a frustration for all of us, I think, that are truly conservative, is the contrast could not be greater. So let's just talk about it, you know, and, and call it what it is and say, we're over here and they're over there. You're going to have to pick a side. And, and we know that, you know, what we've seen, I've said before, it's at times, I think it's amazing that we win an election ever because the Marxists have got the media and big government and big tech and, you know, you name it, they've got it, Hollywood, everything else, academia. And we still win elections. It's because it's a center-right country. And people just want to hear that we're on their side, not on the leftist side, and they'll come our way. And so, yeah, it's it's been a frustrating time. But 
it's so exciting to hear you talk this way. You know, I, 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 we're all, we're all pulling for you around here. And the, you know, just to go back real quick to something that you covered a second ago is the election integrity piece. And so you and I have been knee deep in this for a while. And, and I think that, um, I feel like there's two camps in the Republican slash conservative side or whatever you want to call it. There's the camp that says, oh, it was bad. We got to figure something out and they don't do anything. And then there's the side that they actually do stuff about it. And we, you know, it's just like anything else in life. When you start doing something, you get into it and you're thinking, oh, well, I thought it was that, but it's just over here. Now it's just over here. And you kind of move around. And I know for a fact that you have been moving around in this space for a long time. And now you have narrowed down. And I think we have on our side here at Restoration of America, too. What the heck is going on? You know, the totality of all their cheating or whatever, you know, we'll say stay away from the fraud thing. I know we don't want to get to go there, but it is, it's irregularities, right? It's all the, what are they doing? How are they, how are they influencing things? And you've been dialing in on that. And I want to commend you for that. And I want to convince all of our viewers that Harmeet is the one that understands what the heck is going on and will actually do something about it. Well, that's right. And so it's easy to fall into a trope that, you know, sometimes I have conversations with people who aren't steeped in this issue and they want me to first commit to saying, we will eliminate machines in the use of elections or we will uh, return to paper ballots. Actually, almost every state in the country does have a paper ballot receipt for how you vote with, with a couple of exceptions that I think need to be addressed. But we are a country of 350 million people. If we want to get election results the same day of the, the, the vote closing, which is not even the case in some states like California, you're going to have to use machines to count the ballots. But the question is, just like everything we learn in computer science, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? And so it's really important that the human inputs are monitored and that, for example, what we saw in Arizona, where they supposedly tested the machines on the ballots, but they didn't test them on the ballots that are available at the voting centers. They tested them with pre-printed ballots. So that's a garbage exercise and the machines were not properly tested. And then on election day, they knew that the, the secretary of state and the local election officials knew that 70 percent of the voters on election day were going to be Republicans. So not a conspiracy theory here. But if you were designing a scheme which would make it more difficult for a certain segment of the population, Republicans, to vote effectively, that's how you would do it. You would affect same day election day voting. So my mantra has been for some time and is loudly now after the 2022 election that until we can change the laws that we don't like, that are loose laws with respect to voter integrity, that have extended 30 days of early voting, that have ballot harvesting and, and multiple forms of early voting, we got to beat the Democrats at it. It's just as simple as that. And you know, you don't need lawyers to fight about elections when you're actually winning elections by mm -hmm. the mechanics of elections. But at the same time, like I mentioned, you saw this pretty good law in Ohio, just signed by the governor, and immediately a lawsuit is filed. Our constitution very clearly provides that with very few exceptions, and those are later added from the Voting Rights Act, the states get to pass their laws on elections. And so uh, Ohio has multiple ways of voting early. It is simply cutting back on some aspects of that to, to increase voter integrity. And so hopefully the Ohio GOP and others are going to jump in and deal with that lawsuit. But at the same time, you've had states like California that have loosened their election laws to the point of non-recognition. And it was uh, six years ago now that Judicial Watch filed a lawsuit in a single Los Angeles county, proving that over a million voters were on the voter rolls who had no business being on the voter rolls. They'd moved, they were dead, and other reasons. They were ineligible otherwise. There was an agreement struck. 
six years ago on that excellent lawsuit. And yet has uh, Los Angeles changed its voter rolls? I would argue that it hasn't. And so what I've seen that's very important, Doug, is that um, when I'm in court fighting against the left on these issues, it's not the Democratic Party versus the Republican Party. It's actually very rarely the Democratic Party on their side, because for many years, they cottoned on to the fact that election litigation can be done through a series of nonprofits or uh, other types of organizations. So it's Michigan Welfare Rights Organization, it's ACLU, NAACP, La Raza, La Familia Vota, occasionally the Democratic Party. Um, and, and so we have to get smart and not just do our litigation through the party, which sometimes is necessary because of standing issues, but affirmative litigation can be done by any number of organizations and we need to start doing it and investing in it. And when you look at budgeting and how much it costs to do litigation vis-a-vis -vis, uh, some bloated methods of communication that we use, like like television ads. Who watches television anymore? But political consultants get their 15% off of these TV ads. And so we see a lot of TV ads out there. Mm -hmm. So we need to really reallocate our resources. That requires discipline and forward-looking thinking. Absolutely. That's right. And to go back just real quickly, last thing uh, that you mentioned earlier when you, in your answer was this... Uh, emphasis again on playing by the rules that are in place currently you know this it's it's we as republicans and conservatives for the most part want to have election day and maybe a little bit of early voting just like maybe the weekend before right that's that would be nice but that is mm -hmm. not what it is now we have to one win the elections and then two change it to the way we want it to be so right. it's so great to hear you say that. So it's obvious you know all the details of the litigation and everything, but I also think there's this mindset change that we have to have across our side that says, yeah, it's election season. We don't like it, but we're going to get, you know, we're going to get grandma and she's going to go vote and we're going to get my uncle and he's going to go vote. And last time he didn't, she didn't vote and I'm going to make sure they do. And we got to get them in because that's what they do. And we lose at that game, especially when, you right. know, oh, suddenly the printers don't work on, on, on election day. We can't risk it, right? Yeah. So let me, let me give you an example. And people, people have used the excuse at the RNC of candidate selection as the excuse for us losing elections. And th there's some truth to that. But look at the Democrats' candidate selection. <laughs> they were able to win the White House with Joe Biden, to win uh, the Senate in, in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman. They were able to win the governor's seat in Arizona with Katie Hobbs. Why? The candidates did not matter. Their machine That's of right. hustling ballots into the ballot boxes, regardless of the candidates, worked perfectly for them. And so by the time Election Day rolled around, you know, door knocking and all of that was irrelevant. They had the ballots to win. And so we should take a clue from that. If you already know who you're going to vote for on day one of voting, in our household, that's what we do. We get our ballot in, nobody can steal our ballot at that point, and we're not worried about it anymore. We track with using a program called Ballot Tracks here in this state and many other states that it was received. And on top of that, we can absolutely, as a state, make sure that campaigns and the political party has eyes on the counting process. That's also something that you have to ensure in advance. Don't show up on election day and start complaining when they don't let you do it. You better have an agreement in place well in advance. And if they don't agree well in advance, you go to court and you get that agreement. That's how we got conned in 2020. We assumed that everything was be, would be status quo ante and we'd be able to go into court and do, uh, go into watch uh, the, the, the counting of the ballots. Yet I had a partner and another colleague in 
Philadelphia, they weren't allowed anywhere near. Same situation in Detroit. Wisconsin did not honor its excuse-only absentee ballot rules, and there was no legal remedy brought to bear. All of this could have been avoided with better planning, which we must do in 2024. And so one of the reasons I'm stepping up to even leave my law practice and the nonprofit work that I do to protect children and free speech in this country is because none of that matters at the end of the day. If we have Democrats passing radical laws, eliminating our rights, and judges who now for the next two years, the Senate cannot can, cannot block the most radical judges from being confirmed, we don't win lawsuits at that point. So all of these things are tied together. We cannot close our eyes to them. We cannot just say, oh yeah, the Republican Party, the RNC, whatever, it's always been that way, shrug. Let's focus on giving money to candidates. Sorry, your candidates don't always have standing to file these lawsuits. Your candidates can't share data with, uh, with other candidates like the RNC can. So it really is very important that we have a vibrant and effective Republican National Committee. That's right, absolutely. And you're gonna bring it back. And all these things with the grassroots and you know, we talk about election season and getting ballots in and everything. I don't think previously maybe our party didn't have as much energy at the time. You know, I mean, the Democrats have the unions and all the apparatus and we were kind of doing our thing. But I think because of this election integrity piece, there's a lot of energy now across our more than ever across our grassroots. that We can actually pull this off. So it's a great time for you to be doing this and running. So so just tell us on, uh, at the end here, how can how can people out there help you? Well, if you're in a state, you should contact, if, if, if you believe these three members of the RNC are, re are receptive to it, some of them don't like hearing from voters, believe it or not, that's something <laughs> that needs to change. But you it's can a, find out, it's a huge problem. Yeah, you can right. find out the three members are of the RNC, contact them and politely let them know how you'd like them to vote. Even more effective is if you're engaged and you're part of a state party, it is the activists in the state party, not just the voters, who select the members of the RNC. When the activists, like county leaders or the executive committee of the state party weighs in, the members of the RNC know that that may affect their ability to be reelected. And that really gets them to sit up and take notice. And uh, you know, we are also hearing from a number of major donors to the Republican National Committee and conservative groups that they are demanding change. So if you're in that category, you know, please contact us and we'd love to hear your story and share it with the members of the RNC. We have only uh, less than three weeks left to go in this campaign. And so we're working around the clock like we have been since we started this campaign. People can find out about my background and why they uh, should support this vision at Dylan for RNC, D-H-I-L-L-O-N-F-O-R-R-N-C.com. I'm also posting information and endorsements regularly at my Twitter account, which is at P-N-J-A-B-A-N. If you want to find out how to contact members of the RNC, a supporter of mine put up a website called HireHarmeet, H-A-R-M-E-T.com, and that information is there. But like I said, please be polite and persuasive. If you choose to contact them uh, by email, some of them don't love to hear from voters, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Being polite but still winning. And you know, I, I just, I, I would tell all of our viewers, uh, I've known Harmeet for a little bit now and nobody's gonna outwork her. And you've heard how she feels about things and the direction we need to go and it's the right right person at the right time. So Harmeet, appreciate your courage, appreciate all the hard work you're putting into this. Wish you the best, uh, keep us posted and we'll do everything we, we can to help you. Thanks for all your support too, Doug. Take care. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. 
Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.